Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So we left off last episode with the statement, not so much question, dictating that people should actually do this or else. Um, Using actors cast roles for an NHL franchise. Who wants to go first? Anybody? I'll 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 kind of kick it off, mainly because I, I spent half my time getting ready, just casting different actors as current players, not realizing no, I'm I'm trying to cast a new franchise. And came up with names like Tom Holland playing Jeff Skinner, Charlie Hoffman playing Robin Leonard. Wyatt Russell playing Dougie Hamilton or Phil Kessel, depending upon what kind of haircut he wants. And then I had to get serious and realize, oh, no, you're, you're creating something from scratch. So I picked Donald Sutherland to be the team owner just because he has the old white guy energy. And that's exactly what you'd expect out of an NHL owner these days. Um, Emily Van Camp, currently of Falcon and the Winter Soldier fame, being the team governor, so daughter of the owner who really runs the show and makes sure they make money because can't trust the old guy in charge. Uh, Gabriel Mann, and these are all actors. I'm kind of doing a five degrees of separation because, like, one has worked with another, has worked with another. Um, Gabriel Mann, who's kind of a character actor. Basically, he would be my Steve Valiquette GM hire. Because he looks exactly like Steve Valiquette. Tall, lanky guy. Looks like he could have been a professional goalie at some point. Um, Brian Cox being the um, special advisor to the to the general manager. Your um, Dale Talon, if you will, just an old guy who's been around the game that has a friend in Donald Sutherland. And then, you know, pick the, you know, take your pick of any British or Irish actors from Game of Thrones, Son of Anarchy, Walking Dead to fill in your rosters because, um, well, half the players just look the same and they're generic and, well... The British take all the good acting jobs, so. (laughs) I went with Tom Cruise as the owner. Because (laughs) it's, to, to, you know, because it's sort of in the Tom Dundon vein, right? I was just about about to ask, is he your Tom Dundon? Yeah. And uh, Donald Sutherland is my Jeremy Jacobs. Yeah. See, so so Tommy Cruise comes in and... You know, <laughs> just, you know, being a crazy guy who tries to do things differently, right? <clears throat> and then for my president of hockey operations, I went with Sigourney Weaver. Because I had just watched Paul, I had rewatched Paul recently, and her character in Paul was awesome. Which then... Because and this is totally recency bias, 
But I was like, okay, well, at that point, I think I do want Jason Bateman as my GM. <laughs> because especially for the way he played in Ozark, right? Yeah. The way it was, everything around him was just constantly in chaos and ready to fall down. And he's just deadpan throughout the entire thing. And then, um, and then for his assistant GM or the capologist, I went with um, Tom Holland because he's got that youthful dorky thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for my head coach, Idris Elba. Ooh, I like that. Because <laughs> there's a man who can command things, right? But but there's that empathetic side to him, too. And and then um, for the team, just pick a cast of, you know, some teen movie. Because they're all interchangeable. And, you know, predominantly white, except for, you know, like the prototypical token black friend. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm I'm glad to hear we're on the same page with the rosters. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> it, it's just like take your pick. Yeah, take the cast from not another teen movie. There, yeah. there, there's my roster. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and and mostly because then I'd have Chris Evans on my team and he could be captain. Mm. And we see. I, the, and we'd then be, we could be the whole Americans. Captain America. Yeah. Thing. Well, we yeah. we'd be called the Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There we go. So, I decided to go so old school, you're going to have to, like, look up some of these names. (laughs) So, um, I went golden age of Hollywood actors, late 1940s, 1950s, early 1960s. That would be the best dressed front office in history. Oh, it's a very pretty, pretty team I've got. It's, it's, uh, yeah... Anyway, <clears throat> so um, I have two owners. I have Marlon Brando and Humphrey Bogart together, co-owning a team. <laughs> because I can. <laughs> My general manager is Henry Fonda. My head scout. My head scout is Spencer Tracy. Oh, dear God. My head coach, Orson Wells. (laughs) That is brilliant. Oh, wait till you hear about the rest of the coaching staff. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, assistant coach, Gregory Peck. Ooh, assistant. Yeah. Assistant coach, Catherine Hepburn. And goalie coach Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> then nobody. Now, 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 say, say, Martin, what you need to know is I told him not to go out in front of the crease like that. Now, see, Martin, well, well, hey, come on, what, you know that he would be like the perfect goalie coach. <laughs> well, what you need to do, by golly, is just, you know, let it go. <laughs> And then, and then I went through the hockey archetypes, and I assigned a, an actor to each. Because, again, I could. <laughs> so, my captain, the captain, is Burt Lancaster. The star forward is Gary Cooper. 
The enforcer forward is John Wayne. Well, now you can pick any age you want out of this. I, I'm going with like in their prime twenties, thirties years old. So you know that's that's where I was thinking with this. My grinding forward was Kirk Douglas. <laughs> Playmaking forward William Holden. Power forward Tony Curtis. My sniping forward is Gene Kelly, and my two-way forward is Clark Gable. Then, the defenders. <laughs> my, my defensive defender, Jack Lemon. I'll have to bulk up, bulk up for the role, I think. <laughs> Seriously bulk up. Yeah. Um, my enforcer defender is Lee Marvin. <laughs> My offensive defense defender is uh, Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> and my two-way defender is Cary Grant. And then my stand-up goalie is Glenn Ford, and my hybrid goalie is Robert Mitchum. So there you go. <clears throat> I am... Uh... See, I think you would. I, I think Jack Lemon would have been better served as your offensive defenseman. Mm. Really? See, I, I picture him as a two-way center. He's your third-line center. Mm. Oh yeah, because he's you know he's the guy that's there, but he, he he seems like an ultimate utility player. Yeah, and that's I think where that that type of person was typecast for this. Um, I'm just going to say era, a player. I era. see this as a 1970s, <laughs> 1980s third line center. Mm-hmm. Could be, yeah. could be. Yeah, see, I was kind of thinking maybe your enforcer could also have been Edward Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, how do you think you like me now, huh? Yeah, shea mug. <laughs> just take him right, at, right out of Little Caesar, right? Yeah, see, I'm going to put the whole thing down on him. I'm going to put your crown. <laughs> you think you want to go with me, Zidane Chara? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, I was I, I was really close to doing James Cagney, actually. <laughs> oh well, that would have worked too. Yeah. And also, you could have had Mickey Rooney as your Bruce Boudreau proxy as a coach. <laughs> yeah, but you'd have to. They'd have to do the whole thing where they CG him to look taller. Oh, I don't know about that. Have you ever seen pictures of Ray, uh, Fred Shiro? Well, Fred Shiro, the 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 Velvet Fog. No, I'm kidding. That's Mel Torme. Um, <laughs> the the ghost. Who actually Mel Torme could probably play Fred Shiro now that we're on that thread. Or on that thread. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, I know Freddie Shiro was a little mite, but if you're doing a Bruce. Boudreaux type, you got to have someone that's kind of taller, right? Right, right. Well, you know. And you, and you can't, you know, Mickey Rooney is the opposite of tall as the Animaniacs told us, right? But, but you we're, couldn't do... We're all just, we're all I mean, just tiny kind little of, specs about the size of Mickey Rooney, you know? It's this kind of where I was going with Orson Welles a little bit. Okay. You know? But... <laughs> Because no, he had his jolly moments. I know that he was known as a serious actor, but he did have his jolly moments. So we can't agree that a Mickey Rooney type is obviously your 
replace it like a mid-season replacement for an Orson Welles. Right, because an Orson Welles would be the the retread that is like coached in the NHL for 30 years and you know has a three-year shelf life and <laughs> and, and has worked for all six <laughs> arbitrary six teams. Mm-hmm. Except he's, for he's, maybe one, because of something he did as a player. Yeah, he's the uh, uh, um, he's the Mike Keenan, John Tortorella. You know, they get a hell of a lot out of you for a little bit of time, and then everyone just starts tuning you out. But Except then he scares he scares the crap out of everybody. Of course, Orson Welles does. So, well, it's just because his gravitational pull. <laughs> And now all I can do is, yeah, now all I can think of is Mar- uh, Maurice LaMarche and his impersonation of Orson Welles as the brain and <laughs> how Maurice LaMarche did this whole bit where he basically impersonated Orson Welles, who was throwing a fit, doing a frozen pea commercial, you know. Oh, God, it's hysterical. <clears throat> all right, this comedian special. Anyway. This kind of makes me want to see actor Tom Cavanaugh, who played a character named Orson Welles, in a compl- like the name just was kind of a ripoff of the actor at the time. From uh, it's basically a comic book television show, but play Orson Welles as the coach because he's a he's pushing sixty years old. He 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 would he looks the part. He's Canadian. I, I didn't know there were rules involved. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, but with that said, here's something I, I I tried to do, and I don't think there's an answer. Where, who, how would you cast Tom Hanks? Depends. Are you talking younger Tom Hanks? Or you're talking current Tom Hanks. Well, I th- I think younger Tom Hanks is obviously a player, but I'm thinking current Tom Hanks. Uh, current Tom, Tom Hanks would, would be an owner. Nah, nah. I see. That, that's kind of what I thought, but he just doesn't fit the archetype. I'm thinking current Tom Hanks is my uh, is my play by play guy. <gasps> oh golly See, yeah. look at that you know oh yeah 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 he would be good at that no actually i think i think i would rather change my answer to he would be a beat reporter see i was i was thinking younger tom hanks would probably be your your you know your beat reporter from the athletic you know the bosom buddy era's um, Tom Hanks, the Splash era Tom Hanks would probably be your beat reporter for The Athletic. But then as he got older, you know, he transitioned into doing play-by-play, and now he's your, he's your classic play-by-play guy. Yeah. I think Robert Wool, your um, Toronto newspaper fish rap. <laughs> Should we, should we cast the villains? <laughs> <laughs> you would have fun playing that part. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston and Bo- and he are the are the uh, 
Toronto media types, you know, that are well, always out to get your team. I mean, Robert Wool is your your old school writer. Tom Hiddleston is basically your James Myrtle proxy. Yeah, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, Robert Wool is your he who shall not be named hot dogger, and Tom Hiddleston's your you know your. See, I almost think Robert Wool is more of your Eric to Hatchick. But who would be yeah. a hot dog lore person? That's a John Lovitz. <laughs> no, I, I yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. one of your ticket. <laughs> he's what? He he's like your TSN radio guy. Oh, okay. Who Here's works with the former players? Like say, maybe a Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> oh. No. Alec Baldwin could get his teeth into it. Yeah. And uh, and I'm not just talking about hot dogs. Um. <clears throat> hey. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that it was brought up. Robin Williams is the crazy owner, but yes, I sort of went with that 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 archetype of. Um, I, I was listening to something recently, and I forget what it was, and they were they were talking about Tom Dundon, and it just it just hit me. Who's that guy who just sort of sits there and speed talks? It's Tom Cruise. <laughs> there is my owner. You know, just a young guy who vibrant and wants to get in there and do things differently and radical and, you know, make all these changes and is just there to be a publicity piece. You know, really doesn't want to do anything in the hockey ops, wants to leave it to someone else type thing, but wants to make sure that whatever they're doing is different. You know, I want to be involved. I don't want to be involved except where I want to be involved. Right. That's Tom Cruise. He's almost like a Struthers Martin in Slapshot. A little bit, yeah. Except crazier. Um. <laughs> oh, dear God, yes. <sighs> oh, my God. Uh, what the hell? I had another... Oh, crying out loud, my brain's just fried. I, I think um, I need to not watch this Boston-Pittsburgh game that's currently going on at... One um, twenty-five Pacific Daylight Time on Sunday, the thirty-fifth of COVID, twenty twenty COVID. <laughs> um, ah, brain freeze. Oh, I started. Um, I listened to an episode of the third iteration of Darren Millard's podcast called The Chirp. The first iteration was when he was let go from Sportsnet, or his contract wasn't renewed at Sportsnet. Depends on who you talk to. He was bored and decided to do a, a show where he talked to some of his friends, and of course being you know a hockey guy for 20 years, and working his way up from 
you know, a beat guy for the Brandon Wheat Kings and, you know, out of Winnipeg all the way up to doing what he did. He had some interesting people on it. And then the second iteration is when he got hired by Vegas, he tried to do some episodes to fill the downtime. Then the third iteration is now hosted on the NHL digital platform, whatever you want to call it. And he had Cassie's favorite person on. John Cooper. Mm-hmm. And it was actually mildly interesting to hear him answer questions that he actually answered them not with hockey speak. Like, how much does he really get involved in certain decisions and, and you know, um, plays and so forth and how he's evolved as how he thinks he's evolved because Darren threw him some sideways questions and it was actually mildly entertaining and because my brain froze there was one thing that caught my interest in there and now I cannot remember what the hell it was so I'm really glad I walked everyone down that description of another (laughs) podcast that they should go listen to instead of me blathering because by the time I'm done blathering on about something I can't remember where the hell I brought it up um, you should have been able to listen to that episode and now we can go back to our show. Okay. <laughs> this is me off. I can't remember what the hell. Oh, uh, you'll, you'll remember my, my boss calls it the wisdom of the stairs where if you're in a meeting and you wanted to say something, and you forget it. And then the meeting gets out and you start walking down the stairs to the, to your office or whatever. And then you remember, Yeah, so. well, the jerk store called and they're running out of you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what happened this week? Anything? Hardly I mean, Weller's games. What the hell? Probably for the best. No! Yes, because it rests the team. <sighs> they've had plenty of rest given that they've been the targets of both COVID, both big COVID offlays from the North Division. They were supposed to play the series against Montreal that got bounced. Then they were supposed to play the series against Vancouver, which got bounced. And for some reason, I think they only ended up with one game this past week. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? Killing me. I need to watch my crazy hockey boys. (laughs) That sounds like a a future Amazon Prime series. Crazy hockey boys. Yeah. Oh, God, no, please no. (laughs) Except for it'll be surprisingly good, but get renewed way too many seasons. And it'd have to be voiced by Leah Schreiber, right? Oh, he's definitely the narrator. Okay, yeah. Because for some reason, every time I see Leo Schreiber in a movie, I'm like, that is not his voice. <laughs> and it's funny. Yeah, the others have played one game since Sunday, last Sunday. And they don't play again until tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I felt like posting that David Chappelle meme where he's all, you know, powdered up. And say, you got any more of that? You know, you got any more of them Oilers games? I've just, di- I want to see Connor. That's really what it is right now. 
Matt Barzell's just not doing it for me right now. I need my fix. Yeah, Trotz has his talons in that one. Uh, to be fair, I think Barzell has helped himself. Yeah, uh, there there was a uh, there was a fork in the road. I think much earlier this season where Barzell was showing flashes, but you could tell he wasn't all the way there yet. That he wasn't, you know, the the strange off season, the extra time before getting going, something wasn't quite right. And then he was producing, and then the Oilers, or excuse me, the Islanders started winning. Like, basically, Brock Nelson turned into their leading scorer. Still blows my mind. Yeah. It doesn't, you know. They're trying to be Vegas. A little bit, right? And I actually think they they can do a much better job of being Vegas. I really do. I think Vegas, they... Uh, I, I, I think the shine is wearing off on Pete DeBoer's impact. And oh, live in-show update, Matthew Barzell is the leading scorer of the Islanders. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that sounded wrong. I think Brock is leading goal scorer. Brock Nelson is the leading goal scorer. He's not quite a Cy Young candidate. 16 goals, 10 assists for 27 points. 26 points. Math is hard. I was told there'd be no math. Um, Cy Young? Yeah. (laughs) The uh, Hockey Writers Association can... um, you know, reimburse me for a few of those references. But yeah. But the Islanders, they, they're they built to play a, a certain way, and there's no expectation on certain players. Like, you shut down Barzell, and Brock Nelson, J.G. Pajot can come right back at you. Vegas, it seems like if you shut down one or two guys, they're 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 sunk. It's being so close to the cap, I think. Cap like well, ceiling. <laughs> even since year one, you know, once the the honeymoon period with you know the other Willie with the long hair, uh, William Carlson. Like <laughs> once his goal scoring went away, they never had centers who really drive the offense. They they have playmakers, but they they weren't getting things into the zone. So in the past few postseasons, last two at least, despite the whole San Jose five goal five minute major debacle. You know, you push Vegas to the outside, they can't generate offense. And that's, you know, the playoffs in a nutshell, especially in the West. Islanders can make that work, even though Barzell is having a, I'm going to say he's having a poor season despite a decent stat line and 
team success, they're still finding ways to drive the middle and and get something out of it. Everyone's tired. Oh God, yes. <laughs> not just not physically necessarily. Everyone's mentally exhausted. <clears throat> we're all just everybody. Not not just hockey. Everybody. We're all just looking around, going, "Can we just you know go lie down for a couple of weeks and and then we'll be okay, right?" <laughs> you know, if people actually did lie down for a couple of weeks, we probably might be better off. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, you know, hockey players are human. I know that's a hard concept for some people to wrap their brain around, but, um, and they're just as tired as the rest of us. <laughs> well, and that just leads right into, you know, Robin Leonard. Yeah. And his, yeah. you know, 11 minute diatribe. And, you know, there's someone at the, sort of this extreme end of mental issues that players can face, right? Because he's diagnosed as bipolar and um, substance abuse issues that he's fought through, mm-hmm. you know, and is still fighting through. You know, It's not like you cure yourself and I'm done. Um, <clears throat> so if, you know, he's, this just sounds funny, but I mean, if he's reached that point, then you know guys who are don't have sort of the same problems are feeling it too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that whether people recognize it or realize it or not, there's mental health issues are probably fairly rampant in hockey, higher than the normal, like, average population, I would guess. Um and yeah, I mean, it's like they had a really short off season. They had the um, the whole bubble thing before that, which had to have been like incredibly stressful for so many people. And now they're doing this whole thing with you know trying to do a regular season, and teams are not uh, having to are not getting to play because they have COVID outbreaks and. You know, rechange. You know, changing the schedule and changing requirements, and you know, everything's changing. And these are people who are very much into routine and having things that are predictable and expected, and controlled environments and sheltered environments. And if you know, and they're being stretched thin, like everybody else. So. Um, I'm sure that that Leonard is just one of the few that's willing to vocalize that. (laughs) Well, yeah, to sort of, it's awesome because it, you know, basically came in media terms on the heels of JT Miller, you know, blasting the return to play stuff for the Canucks, Mm -hmm. rightfully so. Um, so I I hope if nothing else it would encourage some more players to maybe you know stand up and you know the, to anybody that wants to defend the NHL or or stick to their statement that says you know we never promise these things they promise the guys a lot of things that never happened in the bubble but it's never the league will never characterize it as a promise so long as it's not on a piece of paper a legal document yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I get I, it. You know, it's uh, it's do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. You know, if this and this and this happens, and these other things which we won't tell you about also happen, then you guys might have the ability to go do the. You know, it's always framed in such a way as here's the carrot. Which makes the JT Miller discussion all that more interesting because I actually believe it was the league's plan to wait till, you know, I'll just say the 11th hour, the day before the next scheduled game to run their tests. And if they don't reach a certain, let's just say, you know, score, if they don't have enough players to meet the criteria, they were going to push things back. But that was never articulated in detail to the players. They had no No. clue. Yeah, because they can't commit. Yeah. Well, and that's just like the NHL, too, to like wait until the last possible minute before you decide to call something off. Which, of course, you know, doesn't make the players happy because, again, they they like routine and schedule and, and all of they like having things predictable and you know, that wasn't. <laughs> well, I just, I know it takes time to run the test and compile the results and everything, but having that list come out at five o'clock on game days for certain teams just is like, that's when those guys are showing up to the rink in some cases, mm-hmm. right? And they're getting there. Their mindset is to play a hockey game, a game of the ice hockey varietal. And, you know, they start going through the routine and then all of a sudden, plop, nope, not going to happen. Because, you know, we the COVID test you guys took six hours ago, you know, three guys came back positive and blah, blah, blah. And for these guys, it's the routine, the preparation, the training. That That's the work. The game is just like the cherry on top. It's the dessert. And I think that's the only time a lot of these guys can actually just take a breath. Because it's you can shut things out for a little bit when you're doing a physical activity without, you know, a quote-unquote measurable goal when they're in practice, they're doing things for set periods of time and with expected outcomes. At least in the game, there is a bit of unpredictability for them. So but it's, I would it's find a certain freeing. level. But it's a certain level of expected predictability. There's only so many things right. that can happen in a right. game. Right, and that's now to go back to what Robin Leonard was talking about in a. In a world where injured players are isolated from the rest of the group, here's a guy that was pretty much by himself for a month. I doubt he was around, you know, team trainers, what have you. And he was just really getting back in. I mean, what, he had been back with the team maybe three weeks? Yeah. And I'm sure it was during that period of time he either initiated or started his vaccination or he was at the end and here's this potential carrot and just any sign of hope was ripped away over 
basically an absolute that you know the legal department needs. I just love that he took to Twitter and posted screen caps of stuff and said, I'm apparently making this stuff up. So he, he came with some receipts, which I thought mm-hmm. was awesome. Um, and just the way some of his teammates, uh, Mark Stone especially, kind of squirmed um, in answering questions about Leonard's comments. It was just like, that kind of told me everything I needed to know prior to Leonard putting out his full rebuttal and showing his receipts. And Well, don't you... <clears throat> I, I hate bringing up their names because they are our mortal enemies, but the guys on that dangle thing where they talk, one of them made an actually very good point. He wasn't fined. Nope. And Criticizing the league. Yeah, and that's a bit telling because... That's the kind of stuff they, you know, do the double secret probation fines for, but it still gets out. So-and-so was fined because they have to report it per CBA type crap. But uh, now maybe he got a Brad Marchand, you know, lick gate talking to via phone, which will then be denied and then confirmed and then denied then the confirmation mm-hmm. denied, except that it was confirmed, you know, that kind of stuff. And then uh, he'll come out and say, no, it really happened, and that's that? Yeah. <clears throat> and then the legal say, well, no, it, was no, you know, it, was, it wasn't any of us. Okay, so it wasn't Bill Daly that I talked to. No, it was the Autobot of Bill Daly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it just is... Because we've heard that we've heard people that have taken digs at the league before get reprimanded publicly by the league, and not even like obvious digs either. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and not just for officiating, right? Because the officiating mm-hmm. is one you always just you pretty much just give away right there. Oh, there's a fine. He said something bad about the officials. And if there hasn't been a year for it to be more warranted or a year where the flaws in the way the NHL wanted its officiating run, because you've heard more kind of backhand comments about it. None of the full John Tortorella get you on probation type comments this year because they just walk themselves into corners like this with the way they want to conduct business and the way they want to control everything. Uh, They did a meeting talking about getting more cross-checking out of the game. And, and it appears that that is something they're going to bring forward next season. And, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, so, okay, you admit your rule book really is just sort of, you know, suggestions. They aren't really It's a rules. reference book. Eh, not even a reference book, you know. It's just, it's, it's sort of like Wikipedia. The accuracy of it is, you know, it varies from person to person. 
and whether you know you can't reference it for anything meaningful, right? You can't cite Wikipedia in any of your in any of your research papers. <clears throat> Not even as a tertiary source. But you know, it's just sort of there. Because hmm. I've you know I watch these guys. And Pat, you might be able to tell me this. When did we start cross-checking at the shoulders? When when on board battles and crap? When the guys started to get shoulder or shorter. When the defensemen especially started to get shorter. But And also when, you know, hit or cross-checking at the hips wasn't being called. It just kind of got moved up as they went along. But there's no, you know, I see, like, literally I'm just watching Chris Letang pound the literal hell out of Brad Marchand's nameplate against the boards. With, you know, yeah. just cross-checking him at the nameplate at the boards. And it's not but, buying but him anything. Yeah, it's... There was always the, the one-hand push where your top hand, you keep the blade of your stick away, but you'd always kind of... Pull one hand in, push one hand out to kind of push a guy away, even in front of the net. And you would cross check down into the pants. Yeah. As a way to get the player off balance. Right. But now it's just, well, this is where I'm going to push you because I'm going to stay in this exact position so I can start skating. Whereas guys upright in front of the net prior to. Nope. Nobody's taking that second hand off the stick, though. No. Well, they are kind of. Kind of. <laughs> well, right. so case in point and complaining about officiating down here in Carolina, there was a game uh, Thursday night against the Panthers where, lo and behold, Cassie, just take a wild guess. What do you think the penalty differential was between the two teams? Uh, gosh, even? Uh, cold. Uh, no, it was nowhere close to even. <sighs> no, I saw you tweeting about this the other night. Yeah, I was going to say, literally at one point in the game, they did not have enough room in the penalty box for the next player who was called. It was penalized. Mm-hmm. So, I've, yeah. been, I've, been to game, I've been to junior games like that. <laughs> um, it was a two to one ratio. 12 to 6. And in the third period of loan, and there were some negating minors. Uh, so if you kind of take those out of out of play, uh, penalties in the third period alone were 5 nothing against Carolina. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, because here are a bunch of guys in open ice. They're only skating with one hand on the stick. Because they're always looking to transition. They're not looking to make a, you know, an open ice check or just rub a guy off the puck. They're constantly reaching. But along the boards, when you're down in the end zones, okay, that's a a point where I can go and scoop the puck out. So I think what we've seen as speed has dictated how structures and systems for teams are, are implemented. When you're along the boards, you want two hands on the sticks at all times. And so guys are just, 
if it's not getting cold, they're going to do it. And for whatever reason, this season, I've heard on multiple broadcasts from it's kind of the same voices, you know, every few games that I watch that the color commentators are calling out the cross checks more and more. So there, there had to be enough discussion behind the scenes because calling commentators know everything, but they won't say it on air. So, yeah, what sort of started me down that was, um, one, you're right, Butch Goring was just going on a field trip with mm-hmm. the number of times he was saying, well, I guess they're not calling that this game. Well, I guess they're not calling that this game. You know, well, you know, I don't know about you, but that's pretty clearly a cross-check or that was, a, you know, and it's not homerism because unlike, you know, Jack Edwards, it's Jack Edwards on Mike. Yeah. 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 Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. They are two different people. Um, I've watched enough Islanders games with him and Brendan Burke to know that it's not his MO. You know, he doesn't, they don't gripe about officiating to that degree constantly throughout a game. Um, and then the other one was, and God, no, because my brain just cramped again. It was somebody got nailed for a cross-checking penalty because they went at the nameplate and it caused the guy to fold over and whack his face into the boards. And of course, because visors help everything, his visor went in and cut his mouth. Um, because again, you know, Visors are really smart. They aren't. Um, <laughs> and I'm going, what's the position, you know, on a board battle that guys defending the puck put themselves in? It's they the triangle, right? Numbers. Yeah, but it's the triangle, right? Mm-hmm. How is shoving somebody at the shoulder is going to help? You need to, like you were saying earlier, if you want him to free that puck, get him off balance. How are you going to do that? At the hips, where 90% of their balance comes from. <sighs> so anyway, um, wow, I really am in squirrel mode today. Yeah, hi, Patrick <laughs> Marlowe. Grats on you, buddy. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really sorry the Sharks... Threw up a stink bomb in the first game home for you. So wait, we're not going to like complain about how Gordy Howe played so many more games in the WHA, so it doesn't really count. No, because <laughs> the WHA one, the WHA doesn't exist. Two, right. it wasn't the NHL. This is not right, a and I mean that's. They're very careful to say most games played in the NHL. NHL, yes. Yes. If you go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, they do have international people and achievements and so forth, and they do still recognize Gordie Howe as the all-time goal-scoring leader in hockey, in professional men's hockey, not the NHL. In professional men's hockey. Now the NHL all-time goal-scoring leader is Wayne Gretzky. Done. NHL records are not hockey records. 
They are NHL records. And you, part of the reason why everything is classified into regular season versus postseason. Non-regular season. <laughs> well, because once upon a time, it wasn't really a playoff. It was just teams one and two, you play. Yeah. Oh, yeah which yeah. I would not constitute as a playoff. Um. Well, it's because they didn't play that many playoff games. Because if we were to include all the playoff games that Patrick Marlowe played, well, the conversation gets a little closer. It, well, I mean, that's what we were talking about last episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we were pretty yeah. smart about that then, weren't we? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I knew, I, I knew that thought came from somewhere. <laughs> Sounded familiar, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But... The the vitriol that came for making a false comparison, a, a false equivalency. Yeah, there's the word. I I is smart. Um, it's just we read way too much into things as a society. And sometimes we don't read enough into other things, but that's a different podcast for a different day. Hopefully not ours. Um, congratulations on surviving this long in a terrible league that, you know, chews you up and spits you out with no, with no really viable alternatives for a North American player of his skill set. So good on Marlowe. And I kind of want to see him break that um, consecutive games played streak, although I don't think he's coming back next season. Oh, I think he might. Oh, have you heard the uh, leaves uh, bristle in the wind? It's San Jose. You sure he won't won't get the... the, uh, Courtesy pick from Seattle because he was a Thunderbird. Nah. No. Good. No, but I think we did say this last week. Marlowe's not holding up a, a, a spot in the lineup for any younger players in the in the organization. So correct. There's no upward. There's no upward pressure for him to move from San Jose. None. And. Wouldn't it be nice if they could, you know, work that schedule to make sure that game to pass Doug Jarvis happens to be in San Jose, where you can have maybe a 50 to 100 percent capacity? Wouldn't that be fun thing for the fans? Right. And that's that's kind of where I'm leaning is a farewell, a farewell tour. Mm hmm. Maybe he signs an evergreen one-year deal for league men. And because what is he like 40 some odd games behind Jarvis by the time this season's done, you know, and if it is a full 82 next season, he can have a little farewell tour. They can schedule it to where, you know, he, that, like you said, that game where he breaks it and the game after he breaks it are both home games. Yeah, and then whether he decides to walk off the ice at that night or not, he can finish. You know, he could he could you know push the bar out even further and finish the season, and then let it be done. Yeah. And I, you know, 
Sharks aren't going to get any better. Yeah. Now, I will caveat, this would mean someone on the Sharks roster would have to do something to Keith Yandel to knock him out of the game because he is currently the active leader. <laughs> I uh, I don't know as much as someone would do that as much as, you know, because Quinville wanted him out game one anyway. Yeah. So if he finishes this season, he's still short a few games. So I do believe Florida has eight games left. That would mean Keith Yandel would have to play 41 games to tie and then 42 to break the record. And then both Patrick Marlowe and Phil Kessel, believe it or not, will be in position to pass Doug Jarvis's mark of 964 all next season, which will be pretty fun. And then Kessel, you know, will go on to be the all-time record holder. God, I love it. I do, too. I think it's the best. (laughs) Just People sit there and just, like, harass him for so long for not looking like a physically like a hockey player, like a specimen of manhood. And for him to have that kind of, like, longevity is just, like, (sighs) chef's kiss, you know? It's really sweet. Especially if you were to stick in Arizona and do it for the Coyotes, too. Oh, well, you know, when he when he broke the record with Austin Matthews as his center, that'd be just the best. It would. It really would. I'm I'm pretty sure Toronto's going to get sick of him soon. Unless they win a cup. (laughs) I said said that out loud. That's funny. (laughs) I mean, you can luck into the perfect matchup and face an expansion team in the Stanley Cup final. It, things can happen. Not to take anything away from, you know, teams that won cups like that, Washington, but. No, I'm not. Yeah, you take, can take it away from them. That's okay. I'm, not, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm not taking it away from them because. No, because they earned it in those first three rounds. Yeah. Well, there's true, that. True. But. Vegas but Toronto right definitely there. will not earn it in the first two rounds, I don't think. In that mighty North Division? You know what I want? I just want game one of a Toronto-Winnipeg series to start. And for Chris Cuthbert to go, oh my god, that's Dustin Bufflin's music, you know. Because that would change everything Connor Hellebuck backed by De- you know with Dustin Bufflin out front come on oh, if he didn't you know get out of that contract yeah no I don't think he did I, God love him fantastic player yeah. speaking of weird things that happened in the North Division uh oh Oh boy! Last, yeah, uh, last night there was a game between the uh, I do believe the Ottawa Senators and the Vancouver Canucks, and at one point uh, Matt Murray had to leave the game for what I presume to be injury reasons, and 
In comes the uh, backup, Holberg. Now, it's hard to believe it was only a little over a year ago that we had the lovely story of the e-bug also happen north of the border. Uh, this year, there are no e-bugs. For, you know, health and safety reasons. So, it was early enough in the game, so if Marcus Horberg happened to be injured, a player from the roster would have to dress. And the Senators were great and actually sent out a video of Artem Anisimov dressed up and, you know, flashing the pads a little bit, you know, in the hallway under the arena, kind of show some moves. So my question to you is, which player currently on an NHL roster would you love to see forced into playing as a goalie this season? This has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.